baby. Welcome back to the Talking Sports by the Most podcast, where today we've got recap of the Sweet 16, uh, possibly, well, not possibly, the greatest run in the history of ever in March Madness. The Peacocks are still flying high. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Elite Eight and a lot of other things in the NFL, and got a lot of things to cover today. Yeah, I mean, we are, it's kind of crazy. We're down to eight teams. One of those teams are going to win the championship, and... Um, Seven of them aren't. Yeah, and um, without question, I think the, obviously the story everyone's going to talk about is St. Peter's and the fact that they um, versus Kentucky. I think people kind of didn't put a lot of stock in them because then they beat Murray State. I think people just figured, oh, that was Murray State. But then to go home, hear about how good they were, and then to come back and beat Purdue, um, pretty amazing because Purdue has a top-five draft pick on their team, some big guys. St. Peter's got nothing near that size-wise. Um, and they won. I mean, I, they just keep doing it. So I think that's going to be the focus point. Um, and now they, they get mighty North Carolina, another blue blood of the NCAA. So it'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, that's the story, St. Peter's. We talked about it on the last podcast, how this is what this tournament does in one-game tournaments. And, um, you know, every day you just wake up and for two hours you got to beat a team. And St. Peter's looks like they are – looks like they can compete with anybody. Never count out the Peacocks. No, National Peacock Day was yesterday. You knew God was with them yesterday. Yeah, I mean, when I – They might need a special force for um, Sunday, but they had it yesterday. Yeah, I was listening to ESPN Radio driving last night, and I was like, when they were mentioning it, I think the score is like, I don't know, 7-4 to four or something, and they were like, it is National Peacock Day. I'm like, that, I think that actually... Secured the dub right there. So they beat Kentucky on St. Patrick's Day. They made it to the Elite Eight on National Peacock Day. I don't know what today is. I guess the day after National Peacock Day, or tomorrow, I should say. So I don't know. I, we can look it up. Yeah, we'll have to see what tomorrow is. So um, it's it's a great run. I mentioned this last week. This cannot happen in college football. It will never happen in college football. So just tame that again. Twitter isn't an uproar again this week, especially last night. It's not happening. Coastal Carolina can win a game here or there, but they're not winning four games to win a national championship or six games or however many. Um, oh, well, anyways. Um, so, um, Steven showed me something funny. So, you know, I, I would love to see the run made. It would be great to see them and we'll preview what we think goes on with them in North Carolina, but that's obviously the number one story in the tournament is St. Peter's and no matter where they finish, it'll be the story of this tournament. Yeah, without a question. Although I think there is actually, now that I think of it, one story that could overshadow that. We'll get to that later, too, I think. Oh, well, So, yeah, but, I mean, it's going to be a run that's never going to be forgotten, even if they lose no. and embarrass themselves on Sunday. Uh, first uh, first 15 seed to ever make it to the Elite Eight. Beat some good teams. I mean, I don't really think there's any excuse for, I don't think there's any, like, they upset one team. I mean, they beat a two seed and a three seed. Um or, yeah, three seed out of Purdue. And, I mean, if you look at the rosters that they've beaten, I mean, like, it really should uh, I saw interesting be impressive. Just because the teams that they're playing have 
plenty of talented players. Yeah, and last night, again, I didn't watch any of the game, but I was listening to it in the car most of the way, like ESPN Radio, and they were interesting. I was listening that this is the oldest NCAA tournament in history. Like most players, of these, yeah, like oh. player wise, like some of these teams are. Well, that's also probably just because twenty three, twenty four years old. That's because almost, of COVID. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that that's almost crazy to think, um, especially when we were in the years when it seems like everybody was just not even didn't even want to go to college to play college mm-hmm. basketball. Now it was the oldest tournament, so again, pretty interesting, and um, we'll obviously preview them in a few minutes. What we think. Obviously, the other major storyline, well, yes, Purdue lost and took out the Big Ten. And, of course, the fact that we lost two number one seeds, Gonzaga and Arizona. Um, I guess my first thought on Arizona is I really, again, didn't watch a lot of them this year. But they basically got kind of manhandled from the get-go. They never were in the game. I didn't watch the game. It was on way too late again. But even in the top of the screen when I went to bed, they really just looked like they never had it together. So, I think Houston's a scary team to play because they play hard, they play aggressive, they set the tone, and they're athletic as hell. And they believe they've been there. Well, yeah, they've been there too. I think they. I just think that they're a confident team that plays the way they play, and they don't let any other team dictate how they're going to play. And Calvin Sampson, I think, um, trying to redeem himself. He's been all over the place. Obviously, had the big fallout in Indiana. Now here he is trying to redeem himself and, and bring Cougar basketball back to the forefront back from the 70s. I think they won a national title or contended for titles back in the late 70s. So um, that's pretty amazing. And then, like I texted you Thursday night, Gonzaga, you fooled me once. You fooled blame me on twice. you. Fooled me twice. Can't put the blame on you. Fooled me three times, four times, five times. You fooled me one too many times. Okay. So I am starting something new today. After today, Gonzaga is no longer welcomed on this podcast. So there's a couple teams that are already on that list. And next year, I don't care if Gonzaga is the number one team in the country from day one, they will not be spoken about. They are a great. They're just being your final four. Nope. They're a great basketball team. Um, but they're never gonna they're never gonna win a national championship. It's not gonna happen. Um, you know what that means, folks. I think Mark Few's twenty twenty three. I think Mark Few's run is just about over. Pencil it in. Mark Few's run is over. I think. I think they'll always be good. Well, because another DUI has suspended another solid yeah, game a day or two against sure. um, against the Little Sisters of the Poor. I mean, it's just it's the way it's gonna happen. Um. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what. I don't know. I, I was disappointed. I never thought in a million years Gonzaga. I, You know, again, could they make it to the championship game again, lose? Yeah, but um, they looked. Um, and, and I think we even said in the podcast we thought this was the game that could have been a blowout. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what Arkansas is. I mean, they're the team that could barely score 40 points the other day against a team and then goes out and pretty comfortably handles um, Gonzaga. I mean, it was. I don't know what happened to Gonzaga. I'm about done with. I'm done with them. Just throwing them 
throwing them to the drain. I don't know what happens drain, with them. Getting rid of them. Good riddance to Gonzaga. Have um, a nice life. Yeah, and I root for him. I root for him every year. Every year. What for the one seed next year? Are you picking the 16 seed? Well, no, I won't pick the 16 seed, but I won't pick him past the round of 32. Oh, gotcha. Who would? Um, by a lot thoughts? of people. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I think it, they struggle in the fact that um, they don't play a good. I mean, it's not their fault that they play in the conference that they play in, but uh, they don't get tested unless they go out of conference and schedule those teams. And it's usually earlier on in the year. They don't play them later in the year, so I don't feel like they get tested. And I feel like when they get um, kind of when they have to fight through adversity and kind of get down, I think they're kind of a team that hasn't really had that issue. You know what I mean? They haven't. Well, really had that before. I mean, like they said in the in the during the, uh, I think it was last or whatever day it was uh, Thursday night. It was the first time that they had had a losing. They were losing at half twice in a row in two years. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I mean, that on the that's just kind of. Sh- I mean, obviously there's been dynasties in basketball and all sports, but like that's not a, a real dynasty. That's just you're not really playing the level of competition that you're currently at. But ESPN will argue Jay Billis not those guys that they play basically one of the toughest non-conference schedules out there. So well, this year they played some good teams, but I think that the problem is you play them in November and December. You don't play them in February and March, where you can kind of test your team. And I mean, no one wants to lose late in the year, but they're they're always going to be a high seat because they're going to be thirty and two because they play. Oh, yeah, I just it's, two it's unbelievable. Power five but teams. I have a good friend, an old friend. You don't really know him. But um, let me. I, I'm gonna play a little recording of him. This is this is this is what I feel about Gonzaga. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee. That says, "Fool me once, shame on, shame on you. If fool me, we can't get fooled again." So, anyways, I mean, George W. Bush, good friend of mine. Said it best. I, I just, I think Gonzaga, they're a good program, nice program. You're right. They're going to every year end up with no more than four losses, get a one, two, or three seed, and I don't know. It's just, it's it's disappointing. Uh, they just, I think everybody's rooting for them. I think everybody wants to see Gonzaga win. Yeah. And they yeah, I'm not sure how good they're going to be next year because you're going to lose Timmy, you're going to lose Holmgren. Um, I don't know if they have any seniors on the roster. I don't know their roster very well, but I know Timmy and Holmgren are gone. So there's your two best players. Yeah, I mean, and I... And, and they may have recruited not, some great players as well, but it's hard to continually replace that when you're at a school like that. You're not at Kentucky. You don't just get the name brand of, I'm a coach at Kentucky, I'm John Calipari, you know, where do you sign? I'm not buying this foul situation. I know Twitter was going crazy about the two extra fouls on the big guy. The bottom line is Gonzaga's defense was pathetic against an Arkansas team that shot the ball in the first two rounds like I'm going to shoot the basketball later this afternoon. I mean, horrendously. I mean, it was just an embarrassment. And every time down the court, you thought, okay, this is going to be the stop for the defense. This is going to be the stop for Gonzaga. And they didn't do it. So, again, as George Bush says, you're not fooling me again. So there's our first celebrity on the podcast, everybody. So give a round of applause to 
Hey, it's not bad when you get a former president oh. of the United States on this podcast. Sitting right next to us. That's right. So, Smoking a stogie. Watching golf. So he's watching golf. Probably we'll just leave him out of it for now. Yeah. All right. So now, starting this evening, Stephen's going to come over and we're going to watch these two games here. Um, Houston and Villanova. Steven had some great things to tweet about Villanova this week. They obviously beat Michigan the other night. It was kind of a deja vu game to Villanova, Ohio State. Like, Michigan was kind of down a little bit, not as far down as Ohio State, and came storming back. And you almost thought with about three minutes to go that maybe Michigan was going to find a way to pull this out, like Ohio State. And Villanova, just those last two and a half minutes, schooled both Ohio State and Michigan. And it kind of just fell apart there. I mean, the, the, to me, the score was actually closer than it was. But um, and Houston beats the number one seed. Um, so I don't know. I, I was shocked to see Villanova as an underdog in this game. I lost. See, I'm not completely shocked by that. I think Houston has shown that they're a very good basketball team. I don't. I mean, I'm not here to say that Villanova is not a good team. I think they have a tremendous program. I think they. They play basketball the exact way it's coached. Um, and they don't go for a home run play. I know those guys try to make that play. They just make the team play, and that usually wins them games. But I don't think that they were any better than Ohio State or Michigan. It's just that they played. They did what they had to do, and Michigan and Ohio State did not do what they needed to do to win that game. I mean, Michigan was one of eight to start, no, one of seven to start from the free throw line, and then made six of their last seven. I mean, when you miss six, um, free throws out of your first seven. That's not going to make it very easy to make a uh, to to win a game against a team like that. And then to be 14 or 12 of 29 from inside about four feet. I mean, you just can't do that stuff against a team like Villanova. They're a good team. They're not going to miss their free throws. They're the greatest free throw shooting team in the history of the tournament. Um, and they just play fundamental basketball. They play team basketball. They don't beat themselves. They don't turn it over. Uh, I just don't think they're like the most talented team ever. I just think they play basketball in a way that basically not many teams play anymore. Uh, the over on this game is 127. I lost a, three digits yesterday by a point thanks to UCLA and North Carolina not going on the over. But I'll tell you what, I think this has a chance to be a shootout with the way Houston Well, the way Houston plays. And Galepsi just makes every shot. He's a very – if he's on your team, you absolutely love him. And if he's on the opposing team, you want to strangle him. Tell you what, folks, take the over on this game. Trust me. I think you got some money coming. But I do. I I, I don't know. I think Jay Wright has got his team probably in a fun spot, being the quote-unquote underdog. Um, and Houston made it to the Final Four last year, so I think he can kind of really feed on into his players a little bit of energy. It's obviously... I think it's been a good game, that's for certain. I think, obviously, today, I think you have a chance to have two kind of nail-biters... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I push comes to shove. I originally was gonna go with Villanova, but I think listening to you, I think I'm gonna go with Houston in this game. I, I, I mean, Houston could very well come out poor, but I mean, I, I just, I think there are two teams that are coached well. I think Houston plays the way they want to. I don't know if that's coaching or if that's players, just confidence. That they just play the way game that they, they want to and don't over. I mean, I, like I said uh, to you, I mean, like if you want to mold your program after a way a program has has played, I think you gotta 
kind of look at Villanova as a team that, I mean, if you if you want to get every ounce of talent out of your players, even though they're not the greatest players of all time, I mean, Jay Wright does a tremendous job. And, I mean, I don't know, I, that's one of the only times I've ever watched Villanova play a game. Um, I mean, when they played Michigan in the National Championship in 2018, I felt like it was more of just Villanova, just Dioc or Arch, whatever his name was, the guy that hit all the shots. I felt like it was more of just one guy just got crazy hot. Um, well, uh, when they played Villanova just a few days ago, I felt like it was like a true team win. It wasn't just one player that just took them to the, you know, promised land. So, uh, I mean, I don't know how many turnovers they had. I can remember they had uh, one offensive foul and one um, travel, and that's really about the only thing that I can remember. And the nice thing about those are dead ball turnovers. You can get your defense set back up to where you want to go. And they just play hard. I mean, like, they're not I – mean, Michigan was significantly bigger than them, but they still got rebounds. I mean, it was just they play hard. They get in the right spots, and they don't give up. And, I mean, I think the other thing was when you run an offense, you have an offense where you – you don't just put up a shot to put up a shot. You put up a shot because you got guys in the right spot to get a rebound, and they showed that they are just a tremendously coached team. Definitely. So who you got? I'm going to go with uh, Houston. All right. Well, but I think it should be a good game, and I think Villanova's going to keep themselves in it just because they're, they're such a sound basketball team. They play so well together. But I think they might be a little different for them playing Houston because Houston is going to – um, bother you for 40 minutes. I mean, they're just so athletic. Uh, they play the way they want to. They're aggressive. They're not going to let. They're not going to play the way Villanova wants to play. Yeah. So I think I got Houston. All right. Well, then we both got Houston. Arkansas Duke is the second game tonight. Um, obviously, it's more the glamour matchup. I think Duke. Um, again, found a way to win the other night. I didn't watch the game. I slept. Again, um, but um, I think I think this is it. I think this is the end of Coach K. I think um, Arkansas is the team. Probably he didn't want to play. They're going to be scrappy. They're going to play in the mud. Um, Duke's players have heard about how now they can actually win the national championship. They've had two kind of really I think emotional type wins where they were down. They've come back to win. And I think Arkansas is just that bad of a team to beat Duke. That's the way I think of it. I don't think they're a good team to beat Duke. I think they're just a bad team to beat Duke. And um, I think the Cinderella ride of Duke ends today. I think Arkansas scraps with them. I think it's a low, more low-scoring game. And, um, you know, when I say low-scoring, I think it's something like 63-60, something like that. But I think Arkansas beats Duke tonight. Coach K, his career, best coach of all time in college basketball, I guess other than John Wooden, but Coach K, I think this is it for him tonight. It's not what I want to happen, but I think it's what's going to happen. Hmm. Well, I am going to go in a different direction. I'm going to believe that we're going to get number six. I'm going to continue to believe it. Um, I think Duke's a good team. I think Arkansas is a... Scrappy you team, like you said that. Like that, like I just believe I want six. I want six. Does things like that just happen then? Um, no, okay. but um, you can train your mind to think that you're gonna have confidence that it's gonna happen. Huh. Um, but it doesn't actually happen. Gotcha. But um, it might happen if I say it though, because you know, you never know. Um, but yeah, I think I'm gonna take Duke. I, I just still don't. 
there's just no way to me that they would lose to Arkansas, but at the same time, they've also lost almost to Michigan State and uh, Texas Tech. So, uh, but I'm going to stick with Duke. I think they're a good basketball team. I think, I don't know what to say about Arkansas, how they beat Gonzaga. I mean, I was watching some of it, flipping back and forth between Michigan and Villanova, and Gonzaga looked like a team that was in in command, and then I flipped it over before halftime, and they were losing by like four, and it went on a hot, a hot run, Arkansas did. So, and to hold on to it and kind of frustrate Gonzaga. Um, they were not playing the way that they've played all year and have played for pretty much the last couple of years. Um, it was probably one of the lowest scoring games Gonzaga's had in the last couple of years, at least, I could think of. So, I mean, maybe it will be a low-scoring game, but I don't know. I feel like it could be a little bit even a more, not a shootout, but like I feel like it's going to be at least 70 to 70. So I'm going right. to go Duke. We got we to gotta, we gotta go different directions. God. The game that's going to... Not that we don't already do that, but... Well... I mean, because you're, you know, you're Ohio State, not Michigan. I mean, that's all. And that's what makes a friendship even better. Us not always liking the same thing, not always having the same thing, you know? That's so. what happens in life. It's good. It's good for us. Anyways, how about Miami and Kansas? Miami, I think, is horrible. I got two decent point guards. Kansas is more talented. Kansas should absolutely annihilate Miami. That game last night, I actually watched it because I had nothing else to do with that late at night. Um, but, I mean, seriously, it was it was not glamorous for college basketball. It's probably good that it was on TBS and that probably a lot of people didn't watch it because of the name brand, but Kansas isn't losing. If they lose, they just didn't play well. It's that simple. They got better teams, better talent. Miami just the, – the, the thing with Miami, again, they got two good point guards. Um, they did shoot the ball better in the second half. Jim Laranega definitely has a good rapport with his players. If you watch the interviews at the end of the game, um, he's excited. They're excited. Good for Miami since Miami football is horrible now in college football. Um, so I, I mean, if you pick with if you pick Miami, you're just doing it just to say you think there's going to be an upset because there's nothing on paper. Nothing that you've seen with your eyes that tells you they should beat Kansas. So I'm not going to be stupid. I'm going to take Kansas. And if Kansas lose, then it's all on them. Well, then. Call me stupid. No, don't do it. You're just picking them because I picked Kansas. Miami. Miami is going to win this game. Wow. Look at right now. Pencil it in the Final Four. Why? Because they're going to score more points than Kansas. In 40 minutes of play. See, this is what I just said, people. Just picking it because you want to pick an upset. It ain't half. Again, if it happens, it's all. It, it's going to be because of Kansas. It's not because of Miami. So Book it. Final four. <clears throat> we'll just skip and go on. St. Peter's, North Carolina tomorrow afternoon. I don't know, like 4 o'clock-ish. For the whole country to see, North Carolina went into Duke and beat Coach K. I don't know, about a month ago, was it? Remember, yeah, we were golfing. Three weeks ago. Oh, 70 degrees. Now it's snowing outside. Um, I think, let's be honest, college basketball needs Kansas to win and Villanova to win. They need the two blue breads to win on the one side. And all college basketball now is just salivating to see North Carolina Duke. Final four, Coach K, 
final season against North Carolina. We thought we were going to get in the ACC championship. It didn't happen. I mean, let's be honest. Those those four teams in the final four would make this turbulent college basketball season seem normal because of the four names in it. And I that's what I want to see. I want to see it. I want to see North Carolina Duke. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's what I want to see next Saturday. I think it would be – I think it would – just it would be one of the best storylines ever, I think, to see. But what about Duke versus the Peacocks? Um, well, I think I I think St. Peter's is going to beat North Carolina. I think North Carolina. You um, heard it here first, people. Yeah, UCLA had one of you know had a one of their best players kind of injured yesterday. Um, was not full strength. It's pretty simple. St. Peter's can play. They can play defense. I don't know if North Carolina is. I mean, they obviously have the big guy in the middle. I can't think what his name is. Um, is that, that who Armando Baycott from um, North Carolina? But I don't think it matters to St. Peter's. They've they've beaten the Giants. They uh, Purdue has big size and they handled them. Um, I think St. Peter's is shooting the ball well. I think they got over the hurdle by winning this game against Purdue. And I think the little guy is going to beat the big guy tomorrow. I think St. Peter's beats North Carolina. Well, it's going to make all the little guys out there happy. Put a little smile on their face to see that take on the big gentle giant. Sure, I think so. So you're 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 going with St. Peter's? I'll go with St. Peter's. Okay. Well, I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to go with North Carolina because I already picked one upset. Um, even though I'm really rooting hard for the uh, Peacocks. It's kind of tough for me because I'd like to see the Peacocks win, but I also would like to see Duke, North Carolina in the Final Four. Yeah, I think that would obviously be more glamorous. You're gonna either way. There's gonna be an unbelievable. Well, that's and could you imagine the build up for that for a whole week? Yeah, I mean, if Duke wins tonight, then it the this final four matchup is gonna be crazy no matter what. Because if it's St. Peter's, everyone's just gonna be crazy because it's the 15 seed. You know, they're gonna yeah. have the whole list of teams: Kentucky, Purdue, North Carolina that they have beaten. Now they're trying to slay the dragon and Coach K. Mm -hmm. And if it's Duke, North Carolina, in Coach K's final season, in the Final Four, I think I was reading a tweet where back in, I don't know, 2006 or 2003, I don't know, some year that the NCAA tournament, the Final Four was in New Orleans. It was Louisville, Kentucky in the national semifinal, which, of course, those two teams despise each other. North Carolina and Duke despises each other. So it's kind of got parallels to that. Um, so, now, I still think Arkansas is going to ruin everything tonight and just put a bummer on. If Arkansas wins tonight, St. Peter's better win because the NC, the Final Four needs something, and they need that. So the whole world should be rooting against Arkansas. But um, I agree. I mean, I, I, my heart says I'd love to see – St. Peter's win, but I would love to see that Duke-North Carolina matchup. I just think, again... Uh, I'm, I'm, I would like to see that. I just I feel I, I really want to root for St. Peter's, but obviously if Duke wins tonight, it's going to be hard to root against seeing that matchup happen and play out. Yeah. Um, final four. It's going to be interesting, so I'll go again. Houston, unfortunately, Arkansas to win. Kansas just put Miami out of their misery. And I think St. Peter's beats North Carolina. Those are my four winners. Um, so mine would be Houston, Duke, 
And then Miami, see Miami and uh, North Carolina. Carolina. All right. So there we go. We'll see where we're at at the end of, of the day. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, again, it's it's coming to an end. You know, we get so excited, and <laughs> now we're down to just two games today. Um, it's going to be interesting. So, God, there's, there's some neat storylines that can happen, and I just feel like every time we build up a storyline, it gets crushed. And I think that's what makes sports. Annihilated. That's what I think makes sports kind of the thing that unites people. It gets people fired up. It just, it's got a chance to write an unbelievable story, and um, it would be an unbelievable story. So we'll see what happens. Now, in the NFL, obviously the biggest news came with Tyreek Hill leaving the Kansas City Chiefs for five picks to the Miami Dolphins. I think we mentioned the Dolphins in the last full podcast that they had added some offensive linemen and were, you know, because we had talked about big free agents, not the little free agents getting picked up. Mm -hmm. Um, But Miami had been building a pretty solid team down there for Tua. And now Tyreek Hill is the highest paid NFL wide receiver. Um, Probably thanks to Green Bay. (laughs) That that kind of started the whole um, wide receiver money thing. my thoughts on it, it's probably good for Kansas City in the long run because they're going to get five draft picks. I don't think it helps Kansas City this year, and we'll talk about them hodgepodging players. Obviously, they, they picked up Juju. One-year contract. They signed Valdez Scantley from Green Bay this week. Do I think it makes them a stronger team now? I mean, absolutely not. It can't. There's Nobody can say that it does. Now, I know there's three unbelievable wide receivers in this upcoming NFL draft, um, but they're not Tyreek Hill. Um, so, in the end, I it's probably good again for Kansas City. They couldn't afford it if they wanted to keep players that they had and so on. But I... I will say this, though. I think Tyreek Hill is going to miss Patrick Mahomes more than Patrick Mahomes is going to miss Tyreek Hill. Um, yeah, he's got weapons, too. <laughs> because I'll tell you what, I I don't care if anybody says catching a ball from two up versus Patrick Mahomes, I don't think it's going to be as nice, folks. Um, so, I don't know. I, I was shocked with it. I, I guess I understand mathematically that it kind of – had to be done. Andy Reid is kind of interesting with how he does and runs an organization, obviously. But I guess what it does to me is just it brings the Miami Dolphins a little bit into the conversation. I I don't think this, like, I know Vegas loves the Dolphins a lot more after this trade, but I don't know if it does that much for the Dolphins right now. I it's going to put a ton of pressure on Tua because now he's got Hill. And the minute he misses Hill a few times, um, it could it could cause a lot of issues down there. So I don't I don't know. I, I heard a, somebody on, on radio the other day saying, like, I, I thought it was kind of a good analogy, and I'm not going to word it quite the best way, but it's like when you're watching a TV show and they – to me, the, the the Kansas City Chiefs are always going to be better with Tyreek Hill. 
And it's like when they have a TV show you watch and one of the characters leaves and they put a place a replacement in. Mm-hmm. And that person just is never the same, right? Like, yeah. they're supposed to be the same person, but the star left the show. And I just think it's going to be weird not seeing Tyreek Hill yeah, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs. You've seen so many plays and so many catches from him. It's going to be weird seeing him in anything else. But Can you imagine um, Valdez Scantling goes from Aaron Rodgers to Patrick, Patrick Mahomes? Holmes. I mean... That's pr- those are two pretty good guys throwing you the football, but I don't think you take Juju and him, put it together, and say they equal Tyree Kill. So no. I guess what it does is it just takes and, and makes, again, more parity because now the Dolphins have to at least be in discussion in that division. And yeah. if anything, I think it takes the Patriots and knocks them down a notch because yeah. sounds like the Dolphins may kind of – you'd probably favor them over the Patriots. I don't know. I mean, I, I agree. I think it's going to – I think it makes the Dolphins better today and it makes the Chiefs better down the road because eventually they had to sell off the asset and obviously they couldn't pay him for years to come. And I don't know. I mean, they've kind of been the team for the last four years and just – sometimes it's just time to move on and try to, you know, make it a different way. And so we'll see what the, the Chiefs do. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, see how they – play uh i think it was i mean it was a shocker i guess i wasn't probably paying attention enough to really know that that was going to happen but at the same time it's probably the best move for both teams to be honest with you and i think it creates more parity for the chief the chiefs and they're they're not going to be throwing the ball 300 times to tyree kill they're going to be throwing it to even out valdez scantley and juju and um travis kelsey and all the other receivers they've got they've got so many playmakers so yeah, I don't know. Obviously, he's a big guy to miss because he's probably about the hardest guy in the NFL to cover. But uh, I think it also, I just think it creates more parity for the Chiefs receiving. Uh, so the Dolphins have all the pressure. They spent all this money on yeah. a wide receiver. Again, to, uh, I mean, you could. Really it doesn't have to be tremendous. I mean, they have Kosicki and. Jalen Waddle and him, and oh, they yeah, have Devontae Parker, I think, Hill. right? Still, is he? Not, he didn't get traded. I, I don't think so, but I know they got obviously yeah. Waddle. I mean, but I mean, for the amount of money they threw Tyree Kill, that guy better be getting the ball a lot. So, I mean, it's just again, and I just don't know putting all that pressure on Tua. It just is amazing. Again, I was listening to ESPN Radio last night, and the newest rumor is Tom Brady wants to play for the. Dolphins and not really the Buccaneers, and they would love to trade two on some draft picks and um, pick up Brady. But uh, I don't know. I just I think if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd be like so excited. But deep down inside, it could it could it could be it could blow up in their face because yeah. now they got a contract on them and and um, whew, uh, they are throwing money out in the NFL. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a good time to be an NFL a good NFL player. Let's say that right now. <laughs> Um, yesterday, Deshaun Watson was welcomed into Cleveland. And pronounced innocent. He says he's innocent. Um, Self-pronounced, I guess. The Browns organization kind of looks stupid. Again, I listened to ESPN Radio way too much last night. But they talked about, um, you know, the Browns said they've been doing research on this for a even when the year was still in process, which means they had basically given up on Baker, I guess. Um, 
said they couldn't interview any of the women, but the NFL interviewed the women. Um, and we don't even know if the NFL isn't at some point going to suspend them for a period of time. Um, and the sad thing is when you looked at Watson, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think Cleveland just made them, they're so hungry to win. They're so desperate to win. And, you know, we're not here to get in the legal side of things, but 22 people is a lot of people to accuse you of something. Um, Innocent to proven guilty. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. You know, we'll see. Uh, how do you say it yesterday about the civil suits? Like, right now, he doesn't necessarily think he's going to have to settle them because he's going to try to try to prove him innocent, but it's like, Deshaun... Plus the comments, his word versus their word, and I mean, obviously there's been a lot of cases where, you know, famous athletes, I'm not just talking about men, but obviously it's usually men that do some horrible things, and then sometimes it's also that women are just, or I shouldn't say women, the uh, victim is money-hungry, I'm sure. I mean, with 22, it's kind of a lot of people to come forward and yeah, say that. Um, so, um, you know, I don't know the whole situation. And yeah, I just not something I'm really going to research into. But uh, yeah, it's a lot to deal with. It's amazing, though. I mean, what he did or didn't do obviously isn't uh, something that you should be proud of um, or even stand for. Um, but there's not a lot of things that's happened in the NFL over the years, and I feel like he's got, like, the worst of it. I mean, with so many players doing so many different things, and they're just, like, reinstated pretty much right away. But he's, like, been, he's been out of the league for a year and for a while, for, what, like a year and a half? I mean. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's been a lot of things that NFL players have done, and I agree. I think um, – I just feel weird that I don't know. the way the NFL comes down on some of these players and some of these things. I mean, this Josh Gordon smokes weed, and he hasn't been in the NFL pretty much for almost the last five years, six, seven, however many years it's been. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a no-win situation. Um, it's a shame whatever happened happened. And you got to sit there and try to become a judge and a jury of, of what happened. And you got a great athlete. He is a great athlete. Oh, tremendous. And um, it's just, it's, it's something that's going to cloud him for the rest of his life. And no matter what Cleveland does, it's going to, um, I don't know. And, and, and then we still got Baker in the house. So still a dog pound. Yeah, I guess. Um, Cleveland obviously wants too much for Baker, and the NFL teams are not stupid. They know the longer they hold out, like Teddy Bridgewater last year, eventually I think they got like Carolina got like a sixth-round pick for him from Denver. He did win the starting job this year, but he's out now, obviously. Um, so let's be honest. I think most of these teams are just I, – I don't think that people – it's not that I think people don't want Baker or don't think he couldn't be a decent quarterback for them. They're just not willing to give up, obviously, whatever yeah, Cleveland's I mean, asking for. I don't know what they're asking for, obviously, yeah. but they're asking for something way too much. And um, Baker get traded in the next, I would assume, probably near the NFL draft at some point um, for a draft pick. But 
it's amazing. The number one draft pick just a few years later is kind of, I mean, he basically has no football career at the moment. I mean, he doesn't. So, and we know looking at some of these NFL teams, they need a decent quarterback. (laughs) Um, So where he goes, I don't know. I am going to miss those commercials though of him leaving cleaning the bathrooms and leaving his keys in the stadium. Going to miss those commercials in Cleveland Brown Stadium, but um, it's time for Baker to move on. But right now, no one wants him. It's it's a really odd thing. I don't know. It must be weird for him sitting at home, like yeah, well, watching everything happen right yeah, in front of him. It's got like his weird. team. So I mean, those are really the two big things that happen in the NFL. Again, it's impossible to keep up on every transaction, on every free agent. On every offensive lineman, um, I mean that just is impossible. So those are the big ones right now. To me, no doubt about it. Um, it's going to continue to heat up as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. And at talking about that with weeks, just a couple of things that did come out in the golf world. Since obviously we enjoy watching golf, um, the Masters is two weeks away. So two weeks from. This very moment, we will be celebrating yeah, Masters it's Saturday. one week and five days to the Masters Thursday. And um, for the opening T-ball. Yeah, and two things big happened this week. First, right off the bat, Phil Mickelson is out of the Masters. There's a lot of controversy as to what it is. Is he suspended? Did he just choose not to? Did he get a specific well, I would assume that he was National? Like, I'm assuming he voluntarily came out and said he wasn't going to be playing just so that the world didn't know what actually is going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I think we've really, um, we have really, um, boy, I talk, I mean, that, when we say a fall from grace, folks, Phil Mickelson has fallen. And a guy grace. that was like, yeah, like literally on top of the mountain for a while. Um I, at one point, I feel like it was almost he was most liked recently, and then obviously has just dolphin dived. Yeah, I mean, he dominated the world last May when, cliff. Won, when he won at Kiwa Island. So the bottom line is he has um, he, he's out, and um, you know it's tough. I mean, he's still he won a major last year. He's yeah, not mean, getting any younger, but he loves the Masters. I mean, you know, he, he, he's, he's Was like he the, the oldest to win a major. Yeah. Okay. He's like the Jack Nicholas. He's like the Fred couples of the masters. You're always probably at least into your early fifties going to play good there. And, um, unfortunately he's out and, um, I don't know. We'll see if he shows up in, um, Oklahoma to play at the PGA and defend his championship then in mid May. So it'll be very interesting. And of course, then, since they immediately, that's the big topic was Phil Mickelson's picture being removed from the Masters website is the fact that Tiger Woods' picture is still there. Um, and obviously, I think Tiger is never going to withdraw from the Masters until he absolutely has to. Um, but it sounds like some energy is growing that he, I think, would at least like to go out there and give it a try. I don't think anybody doesn't think he couldn't swing the golf club enough it's just, can he walk that grueling golf course 
um, and have so many uneven lies with whatever is going on in his leg and his back and everything else right now. So, you know, a year after whatever happened. So um, I guess that'll be basically probably in the, we'll know probably a week from now. Um, it's yeah. like any minute you're waiting for the tweet to come out. Um, is he going to play or is he not going to play? It's obviously would be huge. I mean, talk about a ratings bonanza um, to see Tiger Woods play at the Masters after everything that happened. So, again, I guess that's the big storyline this week. It's the golf storyline of will he or won't he. Um, I would say he probably still won't play, but I don't. You're just keeping your hopes down, so you lower your expectations so you don't get hurt. Maybe that's what it is. That's what you're doing. Reverse psychology. You said reverse psychology works. No, you told me it works, and I just repeated what you said. Oh. Well, it works most of the time, I feel like. Yeah, you never want to get anyone's expectations up and then just destroy them. So well, we'll see. So that's the big thing coming up this week is will Tiger play in the Masters? As hopefully, I think the best thing about the Masters is it tells us spring is here, um, and we all definitely need some some spring like weather to get us going. So that's, that's about kind of where time. we stand in the golf world. So next week, um, we'll see we'll see where it takes us. Well, next week we'll have our final four preview. Um, and we'll dive into, of course, in sports, every day is a new day, and you never know what, what's going to happen next. So, it's like um, the Forrest Gump saying, life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That's, that's what sports is. That's what sports are. And the great thing is, basically. Especially now, because you never know who, who's going to be traded for who, this and that. I mean, I don't think it used to be that way 30 years ago. I don't think there was as much, um, you know, recruiting and, you know, players leaving and doing this and that and all that crap. I mean, free I mean, agency is huge in every sport, yeah. basically, now. So it's definitely some, some interesting times ahead. So enjoy the games today and tonight. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, tonight and tomorrow. And, um, of course, we'll be back next week with some more sports talk.